Before the Fellowship was the greatest story you've never heard. I'm Greg. I'm Dan. I'm Cameron. Join us as we read and react to The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. In the previous two episodes, we concluded chapter 13 and read all of chapter 14. We heard about the various Noldor princes, the sons of Feanor, as they established themselves throughout Beleriand. Fingolfin, the only one of Finway's sons in Middle-earth, and the king of the Noldor held a great feast that united the Noldor and Sindar. Ulmo warned Turgon and Finrod to prepare against assault from Morgoth. Morgoth tested the strength of the Noldor and Sindar by sending armies south from Angband. The Noldor won a decisive victory in Dagor Aglareb, the glorious battle. Fingon drove back the first fire drake, and the strength of the Valar, strength and valor of the Noldor grew. Though they were unable to take Angband or any of the Silmarils, they and the Sindar prospered in an age of relative peace. Then in chapter 14, we read about the geography of the Western continent of Middle-earth. And uh, please listen to the previous episode for a full recount of that, um, or take a look at one of the many maps that are available. Today, we will discuss those two chapters and uh, go from there. So I did want to review a little bit, too. I know we just released, uh, Cameron did this beautiful uh summary of the whole story up to this point, you know, but um, just a couple things clarifying again, who's who and what's what and what's going on. Um, the who's who we remember Finway. He's, he's long gone now um, killed by Morgoth um, king of the Noldor is dead. And then his sons are Feanor. Who's also dead now. Finarfin who never left Amon. He's back in Amon with the Valar and Fingolfin who is alive and is in Beleriand. So those are the sons of Finway. And these kind of mark out the three main divisions of the Noldor. There's the sons of Feanor. There's all, there's a bunch of them. And then um, Finron Felagund is the de facto leader of Finarfin's house, since Finarfin isn't actually there with them. And Fingolfin, um, whose sons also play a role in the story. So those are like the three main divisions. Feanor's sons, Finrod, and then Fingolfin. Okay. Elothingol, remember, is uh, formerly Elway to Larry. He's the brother of Olway, and he's the king of Beleriand, or so he says. Although uh, the the sons of Feanor don't really buy that. They're like, well, if you're, your kingdom only extends as far as you can protect, so we're just going to live wherever we want, <laughs> is pretty much how they respond to Thingol. Um he claims to be the king of Beleriand. He's at least certainly the king of Doriath, which is his realm. And remember, Melian is his wife, who's a Maiar. And because Finarfin's wife was a Teleri and Thingol's a Teleri, they had a closer relationship than uh, any of the other. Like Finrod and Thingol ended up having a, a pretty strong relationship. Um, but pretty much the rest of the Noldor, he doesn't really care much for. Okay. So that's that's where it gets a little bit confusing because there's all these various allegiances between these characters. Um, but in general, the way I would describe it is that Feanor's sons seem to be the quickest to turn to treachery. Like if something goes wrong, they're the ones who are most willing to break their allegiances and just do whatever they need to do, which is kind of part of the oath of Feanor and the curse of the Noldor. Um, that's kind of how Feanor himself was. So 
kind of makes sense that they're like that too. Um, Finrod and Fingolfin, they're, they've kind of been on the receiving end of that treachery. But for the most part at this point, they've made amends. And um, Feanor's sons spread eastward through Beleriand. So Doriath is kind of like in the middle of Beleriand. And uh, on the east side of it, that's where most of Feanor's sons settled themselves. So Maedros is one of the main ones. He's the one who was captured by Morgoth. His hand got cut off. He's very close with Fingon, who's the one who saved him. And he establishes himself in the north, uh, between the northern mountains and uh, Arid Luin, which are the mountains on the eastern side. And um, he's he, there's a bit of uh, bravery with him, I think, in which he he settles he settles himself there because he wants to be the first one, first line of defense, in case Morgoth sends armies south. So there is some, and or maybe it's just like bloodlust or um, a love for battle or something. But he does. Um, establish himself there for that reason and then uh, another important one is Karanthir who's pretty hot-headed uh, not unlike Feanor his dad and he has pretty much no regard for Thingol and he establishes himself on the river Gelion and the foothills of Ered Luin in the north um, but they develop prosperous trade with the dwarves uh, but he also kind of disdains them and looks down upon the dwarf the dwarven kind okay a couple last things here Fingolfin, who is the de facto king of the Noldor now, is pretty much still where he started in Hithlum, which is um, in the northwest area of Beleriand. And uh, he initiates this great feast we were talking about to bring all the Noldor together. And uh, his son Turgon is pretty important, close with Finrod. So um, Finrod is probably the last main character to discuss right now a little bit, and we'll hear more about him in the future. But um, he's the son of Finarfin, and uh, he's close with Finrod. They're buddies. So it's it's kind of tricky keeping all this straight, but you just kind of – I heard a great um, description, not about this book, but about um, – it was actually about the Bible. It was saying, like, reading the Bible is kind of like uh, doing a crossword puzzle where if you have – if there's, like, a clue that you don't – you don't have no idea what letters go there, just keep – move along, keep going – and start to fill in more of the puzzle and then you'll get some of those letters free from other other clues and it'll start to kind of fall into place so if everything i just said was like i what are you talking about um just keep going and uh we'll get there <laughs> that's definitely how i feel I, i've i've read the silmarillion once through and then read it to my wife about halfway through and this is my yeah. third time going through it and there's things i'm finding out um, every time. And I'm still confused at geography. I did not do good at geography in school. So maybe that's why. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, uh, I was thinking about that too. Cause it's, I, I, some, there's like movies I like that have a big ensemble cast. And the first time I see them, I like, can't keep straight who's who, you know? And if I ever watch it a second time, it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. That guy's that guy throughout the whole movie. Which you know? makes you think if they took these characters and these narratives and were able to do, an actual story, a series on the Silmarillion. Like it, it, it's weird with the, you know, a lot of the high level mystical stuff. It's hard to film some of this, right. but with the, when you get the characters in the lands and the conflicts, there's so much richness here. I just wish someone could get the rights and make a series on it. 
Because the the Rings of Power did not get the rights to the Silmarillion. They got the rights to like the characters, <laughs> the names. Yeah, the names. Something like that. That's yeah. so dumb. I, I, you know, it would really have to be though, like, uh, like if they wanted to add stuff, I would be kind of okay with that. I think, but like, um, I think what would be cool, and I'm, I'm truly not a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I feel it kind of have to be like that, where, um. You know, maybe there's a series that's pretty much focused on Maidros or something, and other characters like occasionally appear, and they'll get their own series later or something. You know, um, just to flush out some of these side characters that don't have as big a role. There the, is—I would say—they don't have a big role because there's just so many characters and it's such a big narrative. But they have personalities and stuff. I think Tolkien does a good job of flushing out who they are and. You get a better understanding of like why they make the decisions that they do. Oh, I don't know. What what I'm excited about what's coming is it's really after you know the the leaving from um, where the Valar are. Where's that? What's that place called again? Valinor. Valinor. Thank you. And arriving in Middle Earth and the conflict and the the prehistory that has all happened. The characters are finally settling into place. And we're hearing little hints at what's like the stories are going to be unpacked. So, for example, on page 115, I was excited to hear about Turgon and Ulmo and, you know, the encircling mountains, because later on in the Silmarillion, we hear stories about the city of Gondolin. And and one of my favorite stories which is actually fl- it's it's begun in the silmarillion but fleshed out in the unfinished tales is tuor and is coming to gondolin so there's just some really exciting stuff coming and this is kind of like the the vegetables you need to eat before you have the dinner <laughs> yeah it's the exposition kind of like in the, it, oh, i just saw this video i was thinking this is kind of like it but um it was a like a little three minute video titled something like um, that part of every Christopher Nolan movie in oh, which I've you say, that. in so, which you say, I'm not even going to try to understand what's going on anymore. It's like the yeah, part you yeah, give yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to understand the plot and it's just like, like layers and layers of just like, so there's this person, blah, blah, blah. And he was on a plane to this location where there was a secret bombing and blah, blah, blah. you know, it's just like so much poured out in one moment. And yeah. uh, it's hard to, it's hard no, to he, like, no, he's not alive or not yet. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or rather, he was. <laughs> yeah. um, and there's parts of, of this that are kind of like that, where it's you know you're just getting fire hosed with like all these characters and names and stuff, and they will get fleshed out further. There are some really cool moments that happen. Like we hear about the first of the Uru Loki, the fire drakes of the north. So there's yeah. this Morgoth been creating this monster Glaurung which is the first of these dragons. And what what I found out about these dragons is they don't have wings, which was interesting. And in, in a, a different story, they call it the worm. Like they mm-hmm. shriek about the idea of this worm. Um, so you imagine just a giant dragon without wings that just crawls all over the ground. Um, and you get the sense that they're maybe undeveloped. And even Morgoth is dismayed because Glaurung, you know, revealed itself too mm. early. I thought that was, there was a lot of exciting moments like that, that yeah, definitely. sprinkled throughout. Yeah. 
um, we we have a lot to discuss from these these. I mean, it's two chapters worth. So, I don't know. Um, was there anything in particular from you know chapter the the last half of chapter thirteen that captured your attention or you thought? Um, I like Ulmo. Uh, you know, we said this earlier when we were talking about our favorites, uh, Valar. And Ulmo's my favorite because he has care for the for the people in Middle Earth. And we, we're mm -hmm. seeing him come back and do things. And what he does is he causes unrest in um, two of the Noldor. Um, what are their names, Greg? Uh, Turgon and Finrod. F Turgon and Finrod. Uh, so that they begin to prep. Like, right. they're in a relative peace, but he, he, I think it's in their dreams. Right, yeah, he speaks them in a dream, dream, yeah. And they're troubled by the dreams, and he uses those dreams to give them unrest, which leads them to prepare, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. yeah Very Valarian way to get someone to do something. Right, right. It's kind of, he's kind of subtle with them. He doesn't really... Directly. Which is interesting because with Tuor, when you read that story, he's not subtle at all. <laughs> he like he like explodes onto the he he you know thunderously rides on this wave, and it's it's a really cool entrance to Ulmo. But yeah, this but he he also has times where he's just silently you know listening in the waters in the depths of the waters, and now we know he can cause heavy dreams and troublesome sleep. Mm. Why do you think that is? Cause isn't there, um, Lorian is, isn't, isn't Lorian the Valar who's like, uh, that his realm, his like specialty is sleep and dreams and stuff. I wonder if it's one of those things where they have kinship or something, you know? And, and so, um, yeah, I'm not seeing in my appendix or my index. So, We'll it's to, your word over mine. <laughs> we'll have to uh, return to that one at a later time. But um, I, I wanted to point out this um, this feast here. So, you know, Fingolfin is kind of the standing king of the Noldor. And uh, this is before uh, even this battle that you just discussed. But uh, is it? I think it is. Yeah, it is before that. Um he has this great feast um, in the springtime, and many of the Noldor are there, and Sindar and everything. And I, I like this line here. <clears throat> it says, the feast is called Merith Otterthod. And it says, at Merith Otterthod, many councils were taken in goodwill, and oaths were sworn of league and friendship. And, it, uh, and anyway, just that, that kind of part. And it says, like, the hearts of the Noldor were high and full of hope. Uh, and to many of them, it seemed that the words of Feanor had been justified, bidding them uh, to seek freedom and fair kingdoms. Like they, there's, there's, there seem to be these seasons in the lives of the elves who just live for so long, where mm -hmm. there's unrest, there's turmoil, there's um, you know a lot of suffering, and then there's these seasons of peace and prosperity. And um, it seems, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm reading into the text a little bit, but. I know previously we had read about um, Maedros and uh, him getting saved 
and that's Fingon, right? That saves him um, from being chained to the cliff face. And that healed some of the hurts between the two factions of the Noldor that are left, you know? And it seems that there's, that's kind of at work still, or the, the legacy of that. There's like, um, there's still goodwill amongst many of the people, um, even though they've betrayed each other. And I don't know, there's some kind of, I think it describes Thingol more as like, he kind of tolerates the Noldor because he knows they're, they're powerful and they also hate Morgoth. <laughs> so he has like reason to to keep them around or or be at least a little bit, you know, diplomatic with them. But it's not just that. It's they actually do experience joy and peace together and um just I don't know, I just like that image that their their councils are taken in goodwill and oaths were sworn of friendship, you know. They just uh they're trying. <laughs> they're trying. They fail and they a lot. experience the hardships of life with the idea that they live eons, you know, right. if they're not killed in battle. So, you know, I, a year to us might feel like, you know, a month or even a week or a day to them, depending on how long they live. So they, they go through hardships, but they're also just very, usually very steel hearted and they can bear things like that. And their then their word means more and their alliances mean more, you know, and they're, and their relative peace is more meaningful. Mm -hmm. I did check, and Lorien means Garden of Dreams or God of Dreams. So Ulmo laid a deep sleep upon them. So in some sense, it's like the, the Valar have overlapping gifts. Mm -hmm. Or maybe he like, you know, got some tips and tricks from Lorien or maybe Lorien was with him. Do you think there's, what, what, if you just had to take a stab at it, what do you think, like, is there some connection that I'm not thinking of between uh, water and sleeping? <laughs> water, <laughs> water bed? Does Umo have a water bed? It's a deep sleep and he's like Lord of the water. deep waters. Mm. Yeah. Um, like if you stay underwater too long, you go to a real deep sleep. Forever. Yeah, you fall asleep uh, forever. For good. Yeah, I don't know. Um, like when I read it, I didn't feel like it was weird. I was like, yeah, of course Ulmo can lull <laughs> them into a deep sleep. Um, there's something about the deep water that is silent. You know, it's on the surface that things are all in disarray, but you go down mm -hmm. 10 feet. And it's quiet, relatively. Do you, do you think you go down a um, hundred miles and it's silent? Do you think that maybe Ulmo used like uh, rain sounds? <laughs> That's sleep? it. That's the connection. Because like when you're trying mm. to go to sleep, you like turn on the rain sounds or what, like the shore splashing. That's all yeah. he did. So he didn't. <laughs> he didn't use any kind of Lorian kind of magic. All he did was just use the water. You just like splashing water on their toes until they fall asleep. 
That's right. I've never fallen asleep with water splashing on my toes. I, 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 in fact, I don't know of anyone who has, to be honest. <laughs> I will give you that water is hypnotic, but you stretch the analogy a little you bit too you're far. You're lying down and then your shorts get all wet from the ocean. And you're just like, oh, and you're like, oh, oh sleep right now. Hmm. That's the only thing I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> don't fall asleep don't this is too relaxing it's like when my son vomits on my chest <laughs> in the middle of the night it's like yeah, mm, yeah. so sleepy Just how's like college that. going for your son by the way <laughs> <laughs> uh. i think that's all from chapter 13 all for now um, I chapter fourteen. I was kind of, I've, I've been like dreading it a little bit coming up. I I re I reread it. I don't know, like four months ago. I'm just prepping some stuff for the show, and uh, I was like, oh, this is going to be brutal. Just going through. Actually, I actually enjoyed reading it. Um, I did. I really did enjoy reading it, and I was thinking about this more. I heard I was listening to a podcast recently, and the the guest was like talking about. Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, and um, he was kind of saying, uh, I think his, I think the phrase he said was like, some of these moments where like, it's okay just to linger there because that's what Tolkien's going to do. He's going to just take his time going through this stuff, and um, that's kind of medicinal for us in our world now, where everything is just so fast paced and we're always kept so busy. It is really nice just to slow down for a moment and read this and just take our time through it. Like, if you think about, I mean, maybe not everyone can relate to this, but um, this last summer I got to uh, do a little bit of hiking and stuff with my dad in Southern Oregon and uh, in California. And, um, you know, when you're on a trail, sometimes you just like, it's just step, 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 you just step after step until you're like at your destination. But if you do it that way, you sometimes miss out on just these beautiful vistas that like spring out of nowhere. You like, you know, turn a corner and suddenly there's this view of this, this like crystal clear lake or something, you know, I think that's kind of what Tolkien's inviting us to do in this time, just to take our time. We're not just looking at, you know, the next step, but like stop for a moment and just behold the landscape that's in front of us. And I, th I think that's, um, I like it. I actually, I don't know. It, it, it might I don't, maybe some people find this like a boring read because there's no action or very yeah. little. But I don't know. Well, what do you think? Dan? I'm not going at his pace. I mean, I just a quick Google search revealed that Lord of the Rings took around 12 years to write, um, and then people debate for the rest of Arda, 38 to 57 years. <laughs> so I'm not lingering that long. To, 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 create, to, to create the whole world, to finish the, oh. just all of the, connect all the pieces and like complete the stories and, I, okay, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna push back them. To, I'm going to push back on when you said that. I mean, that's in, in the work, but this is like his life's work, right? And that does take decades to do. You know, he was a professor. Well, I mean, that was his <laughs> life's work. I mean, this was his, his I guess, um, yeah, this was his greatest like uh, creative work, I suppose. Sure. Um, but I mean, Dan, is your mic on? <laughs> we did this last time. Keep blowing to it. 
No, it's not on. It's not oh, that's a shame. <laughs> Thanks for it. If, if you were talking earlier in the episode, uh, <laughs> we would have caught that. While you're turning that on, let me give a shout out to some people in the discard. 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 Yeah, there's your mic. Uh, welcome to this Discord channel, Paramir, Mrs. Veronica Brandt, Marcus. I see you. Uh, who else we got here? We got Dan's there. Greg is there. Florian. What's up, Florian? Eleanor. MTGING. Meeting. That's a great name. Horodulf. <laughs> Doc Schlower. Uh, Evluna. June 139, Art, a lot of cool people in here. Clay Winters, he's been posting a lot of cool stuff. Man, a lot of people. And I've already said Mar Marcus Spagball. <laughs> Great names. I, I'm going to make more use ball. of Discord. I've been looking at the episode discussions, and it looks like the general chat is more hopping than the episode discussions. But it's good yeah, to see true. you guys around. I think it'd be cool... As we do the readings, for you guys to comment on your thoughts, and we could share those in future episodes. Yeah. Like you, you have a comment about a reading we just did, and we can talk about it. Anyways, Dan, your mic's working. My mic is working now. Sounds so much better. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So I should probably make my point again to just make it a stronger point. No? Ashen slag. Mm. Wait, watch oh. your mouth. What did you just Maybe say? Maybe we could get Morgan Freeman to read your point. And then it'd yeah. be even better. You, Is he on okay, Fiverr? I, I, have a, I have a point to make about this uh, on Fiverr. Uh, I have a, I have a um, point to make. So I've also been reading recently the Space Trilogy from C.S. Lewis. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Have we talked about this? Have you read it? Mm -hmm. you I've read, read it. This? Yeah, yeah. A long mm -hmm. time ago. I've read it. Um, yeah. It was I recommended to me. It. like Dan got me into it. I just started reading. And um, so that one is different because it's like a space fantasy. This is more, I mean... I don't know. There's obviously lots of differences about it, but like um, this one, the descriptions of the landscape and stuff are pretty much features that we would find on Earth, right? And I guess it right. is Earth, maybe. Space or trilogy is very space trilogy. It's like wildly like very exciting, you know. And it's not really based in any like, <laughs> like a dream science. world, <laughs> you know. It's yeah, it's like a dream world. It really is. And I found that it's, sometimes it's kind of hard to follow it because it's like I'm trying to just picture this weird tree that produces these bulbous fruits that like just are like do like big dew drops and they're really sweet and just trying to like imagine all that stuff and this i think is it's like descriptive in a way that's unforeign to us it's like it, we know it we know like what mountains are like and what rivers and are still like, you, you have know? the the artful wording of you know tolkien mm -hmm. in his prime and his you know, proper English language. And he, he says things like, I love this description of the creation of Thangoradrim. It says, but above this gate, the gate of Angband, and behind it, even to the mountains, he piled the thunderous towers of Thangoradrim that were made of the ash and slag of his subterranean yeah. furnaces and the vast refuse of his tunnelings. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like... So that's not just like a, you know, a nature documentary. Just talking about <laughs> mountains. Right. It is right. very descriptive. <clears throat> and I think I think part of what he does too is he like really makes you feel the place. You know, you can like feel what it's like to, you know, this is on the next page is on 119. 
Um, he's talking about Nevrast. He says, it was a hollow land surrounded by mountains and great coast cliffs higher than the plains behind and no river flowed thence. And there's just something like, even it's not that much. It's not, I'm not saying this is like the best written sentence of all time or anything, but just like, you can feel the emptiness or like, if, I don't know, it's, it harkens to experiences that we've had where we've just been in like this um, open area with like, I don't know if you've ever driven in like the Southwest, just there's like these amazing, you know, features of rock, these um, cliffs and mesas and stuff and just like emptiness, you know, it just feels like you're on the moon or something, it's just total hollow emptiness. I think the I like world it. building of Tolkien is a thing that gets people excited to do role playing in it. It's like you want to you want to spend more time at these different places because you get like one sparkling paragraph about it and then you just want to enter it and experience more of it. Yeah. That makes me think of um, watching Star Wars as a kid where I'm from. It's like a, a reg where I, the city that my family lived in when I first saw Star Wars, which was like in the nineties before I think they had like theatrical re-releases for the original Star Wars trilogy before and leading up to episode one. And um, just like, I mean, this sounds like silly, but some of the elements of Tatooine seemed familiar because I, where I grew up was just like this desert place, you know? And, um, and just like the, you know, a desert sky was a familiar thing to me. So it, it was the kind and of thing where just one like, sun in the sky, only one sun familiar, at least one, at least one. Yeah. One of them was, yeah. One or but, two. You know, it's, it was one of those things where just the adventure of the story and like the magic of it, you know, it, you're like, as a, for, as a kid, it just like, I think it just like unlocked a new level of imagination for me, you know? Just mm. because it, it's it's like a, a step into a world and you just want to stay there is what you're describing here, too. You just want to, like, see more of it and, and dive into it. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I Can I go on a tirade right now? Go for An it. Absolute vindictive. Let's feel a Tolkien word. Thunderous tirade. No, it's not that. No, it's not. It's not that big. You're going to ro- who are you roasting here? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on to your seatbelts. I'm worried. I'm worried. Here we go. No, um, you know, I was thinking more about how Tolkien, like what you're just saying, Greg, how he, he, the way he writes helps you escape to this new world, which is so um, freeing and, and peaceful because you can, you can actually leave and experience this, this other world. Um, it's called narrative transportation. And then you have a show like Rings of Power come along and just I feel like I'm watching like CNN or something <laughs> like I just I feel like I'm watching the world tell me a bunch of things that are wrong with the world. And I I hated that aspect of it of just like I want to escape. I don't want to think about politics right now. No matter what side of politics you're on, I would have hey, hated it. Hey, it hey, 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 nobody goes off the trail, Cameron. Nobody walks <laughs> alone. All right? we, must, 
We can't go off the trail, so nobody's left behind. What was the song? Oh, uh, yeah. We, no, we can't go off the trail. Nobody's left alone or something like that. So you you have this song, you know, far over, you know, the just big song from... Yeah, from Hobbit, which, which didn't great get great reviews from everybody, but it was a great song. It's a great song. There's so much great music in Lord of the Rings. And you have, you, you, get, you gotta stay on the trail, otherwise you're gonna get lost. You gotta yeah. stay on it. You yeah. gotta get left behind. Uh, yeah, and you're waiting for the next lyric. And it just, just repeat. It's oh my gosh. And supposedly they sing the song like for ages because it's like their tribe song. It's like their tradition they passed down for generations. Um anyways, tirade over. I just I love escaping to a new world. I don't want a show that just like reminds me of our world and tries to preach at me. Hmm. Absolutely. Um let, let, let me say a couple of things. We're going to close up soon. I know. Um, Cameron, you talked about the um, Uruloki. Is that how you say it? Uruloki? Uruloki. The, so. the fire drakes. Um, you said they're wingless, but where, where, where did you get this idea that they're wingless from? Um, the It was either the Unfinished Tales or later on okay. um, when, they, when they fight him. Because I don't think... Did they fight him? He, well, he was fought and just fled back. Yeah. So later on, I guess when they encounter him again, we either learn it there or in the unfinished tales. Okay. And then in chapter 14, I loved, I mean, there was lots of like places and people moving to places and whatnot, but I did like that we hear that uh, Finrod, um, builds the mighty watchtower Minas Tirith. I thought that that was really, really cool. Um, just a cool little uh, shout out to what everyone is familiar with. And But that's a different Minas Tirith. It's a different one. Yeah. There's a whole what? <laughs> Greg? How dare you? It We're is trying a to different... catch in on that. I know. It's, it is different? Well, this is it a great is conversation. It, it is different. It is, well, Why <clears> did you change it? <laughs> um well an important i'm gonna hold up my map here it was before quick. i got a the white paint job so in uh in the lord of the rings time in like the third age and everything this whole part of the continent is not on the map this is like west this is like west of the map um you mean it's underwater or it's gone Wait, say, yeah say there's it like, again there's, great because now you're full screen so this this section of the map, all of Beleriand, East Beleriand, West Beleriand, all of yeah. it, it's not part of the map in the Third Age. Oh yeah, it, the, just the sea is like broader between Valinor and Middle Earth, and so pretty much anything, any of the places we're talking about are not part of the Lord of the Rings. Where do they go? Do they go underwater? Uh, we'll have to we'll have to continue reading <gasps> to find out. <clears throat> Um, okay, so but I mean, surely, surely, Ministerius of Gondor is um, harkens to the Ministerius of old that we're just finding out about now, right? Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I would think so. I mean, if you if they have the same exact name, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, I don't know. This is this is all news to me. Um, 
Mm. Okay, so so the the lands you just showed us um, in the times of the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, those lands are underwater, They're, or uh, in the sky. Which is it, Greg? Yeah, which is it? They're, are they in the sky? Gone. They're gone. Where did they're they go? Gone. Did, were they did they sink into the water? Because I mean that would make sense, right? I, I I'm gonna be honest. I don't totally remember. I feel embarrassed saying that, but well, I know I the world remember. changes. But does the world change? How yeah. it changes? Like well, I mean, battle? I mean, lands that, lands don't disappear. The, the way lands disappear is by going underwater. So is that not a safe assumption? I mean. Well, you, I, I don't recall because I, I do. I mean, even before we heard about the Valar when they first battled Morgoth, yeah, the world was just like reshaped and like, re, you know, there's they were like he was just pulling up mountains and then throwing other mountains down and stuff. So it was it was kind of this like mythological epic battle between these demigods, you know, and um, so I don't know, maybe that's foreshadowing or something. I'm not sure, but. Mm. Um, Interesting. Very cool stuff. Uh, well, I think we, I mean, we are. It, go ahead. I, I was just. I was just going to say that. Um, I can't even remember the name of it now. Uh, it's. It's escaped me. But even on our, our Earth, to just take us out of Arda for a second. Um, what's the name of there Atlantis? Was one, Atlantis. Is it Atlantis? No, 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 no. Yeah, the one that's underwater. No, 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 no. I'm. I'm talking about continental shifts. That there was oh, this like Pantera. one great. Thank you um plantar fasciitis yes that's yeah. it no 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 uh, okay yeah go with that <laughs> what's it called sorry pangea pangea okay pangea yeah that's it right and then yep. and then there was a sort um, of shifting... i don't know if this is a midwest thing but i i always heard it pronounced pangea but mm -hmm. i don't know i'm just i might be wrong it's, it's pop for sure yeah. it's called pop <laughs> <laughs> in england we call it fizzy drinks so that's that's called Pangea fizzy, fizzy, fizzy drinks. Yeah, fizzy. yeah, we call Pangea fizzy lifting right, drinks. Go, go, go on, make your point about Pangea. <laughs> My point is that, um, I mean, Tolkien's using descriptive language, you know, lands being thrown around and destroyed, oh. and maybe that's a figurative way of yeah, maybe talking about how the, um, would it be the Valar, would it be the Aina, shifted the lands and reorganized Arda, Um and and so like eventually when when, when you have this sort of ministerith and then Beleriand and then all of these other lands like it would make sense that water would kind of come over and sink them no you don't think i, I can't accept that because i'm a young middle earth creationist <laughs> <laughs> all right uh i think that's a great stopping point right there um Oh, I'm the I'm the I'm the person here. I'm the one to go to. Well, I, I I we're you know we're playing around with this new format. We're trying to figure out if this is going to work for us and for you, our listeners. So please let us know what's going on. Um, you know what you think about because I, I I do think <clears throat> since we're doing a whole chapter and a half worth of discussion, there are certain finer details that we certainly will miss. But um, that might be those might be good things to talk about in the Discord chat. Hey, Greg, by the way, I found out the answer. And Dan, I found out the answer. What happens to Beleriand? I know. And I don't. I next week, cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Yep. We'll open it up with next week's episode. 
I think we just got to read it when we get to it. I don't think we should. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll hang we, on we, we got, for a while. Right. We've got some good stuff coming up. I'm, I'm excited about the upcoming reading. So if you like what you hear, go ahead and rate us three summers out of three. Follow us everywhere at Before the Fellowship and send any comments or questions you have to beforethefellowship at gmail.com. Join us next week as we read the greatest story you've never heard, The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. Follow us everywhere before the fellowship. Send any comments or questions. I just want to redo that. I just okay. want to redo that one. Just the outro line. Because I totally just weeping. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't leave this in the cut. I've never seen someone start to weep so quickly. (laughs) 